Welcome to another episode of Nerds Amalgamated. I am the DJ, and with me today, I have Debbie Boy and the Professor. Hello, How- DJ. How's it going? I'm all right. You sound different this week. Do I? What, what happened? You? <laughs> Clearly, your new vocal processing unit is working well. So much better. So nice. So, uh, Professor, you've got a story about NVIDIA and their new crypto mining stuff. I'm here, by the way, just chiming in. Bye-bye. <laughs> and uh Debbie boy <laughs> yes how are you i'm good <laughs> oh i forgot me there did you i'm that silent <laughs> ah, but, uh, i mean you've been pretty quiet you were just like what's he doing what's Debbie boy doing he's hiding <laughs> being antisocial <laughs> I, I, yes I, I agree antisocial that's very much true <laughs> how, how's your week been Debbie boy Busy, very busy. It's uh, been a very rough time. Uh, just game preparation for uni and all that. The usual, I guess you could say. It never ends, does it? Doesn't it? Uh, that's all I'll say to that. Um... <laughs> so anyway, the uh, new NVIDIA uh, crypto mining cards, they've decided to produce an extra line of 3000 series GPUs without the ability to output graphics, which will be sold as, under the uh, CMP brand. And they claim that the CMP brand will provide the full ability to produce uh, cryptocurrency. It stands for Cryptocurrency Mining Processor and won't be able to export graphics, which last time they tried this a couple of years ago, didn't take long to be hacked and people find out how you can put... uh, display graphics from a crypto card. <laughs> so enlighten me on the, on this whole idea of crypto mining and Nvidia. How does it, how do they, how do they mesh? Cause I, cause all I know for Nvidia is it's always the, they're always famous for the video cards and not for crypto stuff. Like when did it happen? So a crypto, well, a GPU is a bunch of very specialized cores. So your CPU is uh, more capable of doing different things. The GPU is capable of doing particular things very quickly. And it happens to be that with a bunch of different cryptocurrencies, including Bitcoin, if you got in early enough, people made mining software that would run on the GPU and be incredibly efficient, which led to the uh, the first GPU shortage from due to cryptocurrency. Uh, 2015, I think, cryptocurrency peaked around then. And through 2016, it was hard to get a card because all of the cards were being bought up by crypto miners. Then the price of the currencies dropped. Uh, You can't actually mine Bitcoin effectively on a GPU anymore. You really need to go for uh, advanced hardware, entirely custom hardware. But what people found out from, um, from then is that you can sell people uh, GPUs that are designed for crypto mining, which don't have graphics outputs. And this is what NVIDIA tried to tap into first with the previous line and now with CMP. Now, it also happens to be that there's a, an additional pressure on it with the increase in um, machine learning in the last few years, because machine learning also runs particularly well on GPUs. So NVIDIA is having massive GPU shortages which all ties back into the whole industry having a shortage. 
there's currently not enough production to go around to make enough GPUs, well, enough silicon at all to make enough uh, GPUs to go around. So even car manufacturers are having to scale down production because they can't get enough chips to put in the car. So now we're seeing the effects of that. NVIDIA thinks they can segment the market by producing CMP and GPUs. Effectively Mm. the same thing, but the GPU is using what NVIDIA claims is an unhackable modification that prevents it from mining Ethereum. And I say Ethereum, which is a particular cryptocurrency, because NVIDIA came out saying this is unhackable. It's not going to, uh, you can't effectively mine cryptocurrency on it. You still can, but it's going to be locked at 50% of the efficiency of a CMP card. So Ethereum is one of the uh, cryptos that can still be mined efficiently on a GPU. So first issue, nothing is ever unhackable. Never say that. That's like saying the Titanic is unsinkable. A big enough iceberg will sink your boat. (laughs) It's only a matter of time, though, because the thing with technology, it's like technology is like the steroids. Like it it evolves faster than than people are slow to catch up. By steroids, do you mean uh, doping in elite athletes? Yeah, yeah, that, that kind of drill. Yeah. yeah. So anyway, the um, it is a very Titanic story because the Titanic was critically flawed, which is why the disaster was so bad. But so are these cards because they block you from mining Ethereum. But is there uh, uh, okay? What's the monetary value of Ethereum? Is it lo- is it bigger than Bitcoin? Is it? Uh, no, a single. I'm pretty sure a single Ethereum is less than a single Bitcoin, but it's easier to mine. If you want to mine Bitcoin, you really need to go into ASICs and all sorts of advanced setups that most people don't have the capital to invest into. And the power usage. Bitcoin alone uses the uh, same amount of power as Argentina. So basically, you run, um, in short, you run software on your cards that basically creates lottery tickets. And if you pick the correct number, you get the right to um, do the calculations on that latest block of transactions. And when you do that, your computer spends a bit of time processing the transactions, shuffling the money around, and you get a payout. The payout is what people want. The advantage of having multiple computers uh, around the world running the software is that it's less hackable. You can't take advantage of the system by um, taking over enough computers to let you make the rules about the transactions. So theoretically, a organization or government who wanted to produce absolute boatloads of um, mining equipment, and you'd need something like, um, well, I think you'd need more than 51% of the current total power of the Bitcoin mining environment. So you need to beat out everyone around the world, 51% of people around the world who are mining Bitcoin to be able to have your software, your computers decide the block and then commit monetary fraud using it. So theoretically having it spread around the world like that, using so much power and encouraging people to help uh, process the transactions by rewarding them helps keep it secure. But we run into the major issues of this. This card, this unhackable card, which (laughs) relies on a combination of 
BIOS and firmware and drivers and NVIDIA wants you to believe this is unhackable. Hasn't been hacked yet, but it turns out they blocked Ethereum, not anything else. So you can still make money by mining an entirely different currency. They just blocked one of the more popular currencies. Oh, so that means they can use Dogecoin. You might be able to if it doesn't use the same um, the same uh, algorithm as Ethereum. Some cryptocurrencies use a similar algorithm and thus work on the same hardware. Others use unique algorithms. Uh, it's a really in-depth thing that you can spend years looking into if you wanted to and arguing about which algorithm is best, what the benefits are. So, so how much are these cards now? Uh, they just launched the new RTX 3080 a couple of days ago, which is the, um, sorry, 3060, which is the first uh, card to be limited in this way. And if I pull up, let's see, PCCaseGear.com is currently selling the 3064. Drum roll while my internet catches up. Come on. There we go. Okay, a thousand bucks. So we're still getting pretty uh, scalped here. Uh, that's going to be a big pr- other problem as well. While crypto, cryptocurrency is becoming a problem in terms of um, the tangibility, being tangible and stuff, the other problem is going to be how, mu- how many of these cards are going to be scalped so readily? That's what this is supposed to avoid. Yeah. So I quote from the NVIDIA blog, we are gamers through and through. We design GeForce GPUs for gamers, and gamers are clamoring for more. With the launch of the 3060, we're taking an important step to help ensure GeForce GPUs end up in the hands of gamers. And that's why they're locking this down, so that they can sell CMP to miners, and they reckon miners are going to take the bait by CMP and let the gamers buy GPUs. Here's the problem with that. So they haven't locked it down enough to stop people mining on the 3060 at all. Uh, so <laughs> people are mining alternative currencies. You don't need to mine Ethereum. If you really want Ethereum, pick a currency that still mines on the 3060, mine it, and then dump it into, you know, sell it on an exchange for Ethereum. You'll lose a few percent in transaction fees, but if at the end of the day, you've still got more Ethereum than yeah. you get. The other issue, so when you produce a piece of silicon, whether that's a CPU or a GPU, you have what's called binning. You take your top 10% performing parts and sell them as the ultimate. So in that case, that would be the 3090. Then you take the next 10% and sell them as the 3080. And anything that meets the, you know, anything below that can be sold for a lower price bracket because it doesn't it isn't capable of hitting the highest of the highs so what you'll find in a lot of gpus and cpus is the exact same silicon but it failed quality testing and a lot of silicon fails quality testing so you end up with a lot of chips that are slightly less powerful they might be glitchy in some way you can then repair them, uh, disable the chunk that's faulty, and sell it as a lower-grade product. So 
without increasing their silicon production, they're still not making more cards. This silicon has to come from somewhere, and we've already talked about the silicon shortage at the moment. The problem is, though, like, I mean, NVIDIA could be one organi- one company that'd be doing data mining, but there'll be other companies like um, ATI and, uh, okay, there, okay, yeah. AT- ATI will be one of them. ATI is not a thing anymore. Really? No. Uh, it's not even, no, it's ATI was the graphics company that AMD absorbed. Ah, uh, okay. So you're thinking AMD, basically. But yeah, AMD isn't limiting, so people will buy the AMD. Now, the thing is that AMD also, there's advantages for both. AMD has better multi-core performance on their CPUs. Intel has mostly in the last few years had faster single core. And that's all a bit shaken up at the moment because Intel's been sitting on their laurels for long enough and AMD finally made a massive jump with Ryzen and Intel has to decide what they're doing and whether they can beat that. So they're much more equal now than they have been for the past few years. But AMD's not doing this limiting. Maybe that means crypto miners who want Ethereum will go to AMD if the software works on AMD as well as it does on NVIDIA. But um, the the thing is, so when you bin your CPUs, your silicon, you take you know the lowest fifty percent and sell that as your low end brand, which is still quite expensive. Like PC case gear, we just pointed out, selling thirty uh, sixties for up to a thousand dollars, anywhere from eight hundred to a thousand dollars. That's the low end card. Oh, which but depends which which company though is doing is MSI or EVGA or uh, Gigabyte or. No, so that's tech. across all of the brands there. Oh. So you cannot get, most of them are sold out. You cannot get a 3060 for less than $700 and that's sold out. The only ones in stock are the um, ones that are 800 900 So even with all of this limiting, they're still not pushing out enough cards for people to buy. But so this is the lowest of, um, segment of GPU. What do you think they do when everyone wants to buy a 3060 because they're not millionaires and can't afford to buy a 3090? You bring out a cheaper card, perhaps, because uh, you know you want to get more of the market, perhaps. You know what I mean? Okay, yeah. But you're selling all of the cards that fall into the 3060 car- category. Where do you get more 3060s? Ooh. You get it from miners. No, you get um, Nvidia when they run out of 3060 oh, cards. Oh, Nvidia themselves. Okay, I think it's yeah. consumer. Okay. Uh, good question. You take the 3080s and 3090s and chop them in half. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> wow. That's uh, that's even more uh, life hacky than BuzzFeed. Yeah, you literally take high-end cards and break them so that you can sell them as low-end cards. Do you want half a card? <laughs> Where is that meme from? The I chopped it in half. Is that... <laughs> Is that um, one of those Rick and Morty bits, or is it Robot Chicken, something like that? I don't know. I just remember a skit from somewhere where this um, guy chops everything in half in his shop. I'll see if I can find the link for it later. <laughs> it's like that flex tape commercial, like, yes, yeah. I've, I've sort I've sort this boat in half. <laughs> now I'm going to use flex tape to 
stick it back in. And funnily enough, sometimes, not anymore because I've worked out better ways to break them, but 15 years ago or so, you could buy a low-end CPU, I think it was a particular AMD model, and turn it into a higher-end CPU. It might not work perfectly, it might be unstable, but because as they run out of lower-end parts, they start breaking the higher-end parts, what somebody worked out was that there were two pads on it, and if you join those two pads, and you could do it with the with a line drawn with a pencil, it would turn it back into a fully functional high-end chip, because that's what it was. It's just a high-end chip that's been downgraded. So this CMP product is just taking away from NVIDIA's ability to produce uh, GPUs, even if it's all the it's only the chips that don't make it into the pre thousand series. So if this is the equivalent of a thirty fifty, when they sell all of these, they're going to start taking your thirty sixties and chopping them in half. <laughs> so that's all on the technical side. You've just taken this thing and you've put out an absolute massive challenge by claiming it cannot be hacked because hackers love that. I guarantee you there are teams of hackers around the world right now trying to hack the CMP. Or they will be as soon as they can get their hands on it. Yeah, it'll be a matter of time before um, someone managed to crack it. I mean, it it will not be like 24 hours or anything like that. It will take like months and months and months. It is just still a matter of time. And it happened the last time CMP type product. There's a Linus Tech Tips video on it. Um, gaming on a mining GPU or something along those lines. And it's a bit of a fiddle, but if you could get a a cheap mining GPU because the price crashed and all of the GPUs the miners bought went back onto the market and kept the prices down, if you could get a cheap mining GPU second hand, you could play games on it and save money compared to buying a a proper GPU. So... (laughs) The question is going to be if what happens if uh, crypto mining becomes a uh, necessary function in every GPU, let's say. Um, like like if it became... Uh, if, mainstream. No, uh, what I think, what I'm thinking is uh, if cryptocurrency started using the RTX cores, because the RTX cores are even more specialized. They're custom uh, designed specifically for RTX rendering. So in that case, yeah, they'd again have to work out how to block it. Mm. But um, the so every chip that's already out won't be getting this update to stop it from mining Ethereum. Um, the so we've talked about the silicon production issues and the um, yeah how this is taking away from producing that. We've talked about how it's going to get hacked. But here's something I hadn't even thought of until I saw. Uh, the video Linus Tech Tips did a couple of days ago. Where do you think these cards go next time the price crashes? Oh. You currently cannot game on it. And even if you can find a way, that's still only going to be a small fraction. So if the price for crypto crashes, if a different algorithm becomes popular that CMP can't keep up with, where do they go? Into landfill. Yes. Landfill. So they've just taken these perfectly good graphics cards. Which is which, just, them. Just, just say, at the same time, you've still got a chip shortage. Yeah. So in the middle of a ship, chip shortage, they're diverting chips from gamers 
to miners who are going to use boatloads of electricity and then put them in the bin. <laughs> it, it just reminds me You're of... You're not allowed um, to laugh. This is not a laughing matter. Ah. <laughs> just reminds me of The Simpsons where uh, Homer bought the computer and he couldn't figure out how to use the computer, so he just dumps it into the bin. And Lee's just, Dad, why are you throwing everything in the bin? Let, here, let me show you and stuff. Oh. The crazy part is going to be... I was actually thinking for a Simpsons reference, the episode where they, um, it shows how the bowling pin setters work. <laughs> and if Big's in the tree at one side, makes a bowling pin, uses it, and then just dumps it out the back into a pile. Oh, Single I remember use that bowling part, pins. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I, I'm pretty pissed over the whole thing, to be honest. I mean... Look, I'm not building a new PC anytime soon, but it's just such a it's such a waste, you know. And at the end of the day, it's like that's capitalism for you. But you know, like, uh, you know, Nvidia they can't the same time they really should have pushed to destroy their reputation because that's the sort of thing that can come to get them and get them. But like, it, it is chasing short term profits, literally. Yeah, they're gonna make money now, and ultimately, gamers aren't really going to benefit from this. Um, I doubt this is going to make a significant difference in the ability of gamers to buy parts, and my money would be on it getting harder for gamers to buy parts. I mean, it's already hard enough. Like, what are they going to do next, though? I mean, the game... uh, How can they spin the next thing (laughs) that they do? We're not even going to sell these GPUs to gamers. We're just going to burn them right away. Isn't that good (laughs) for gaming? (laughs) It's that they're like, we're good for gaming. We're gonna uh, make it sure you me, get it. It reminds me of that meme where you've got the, the guy in the chair, the guy standing the gun and just shoots. So it's like the video's like, uh, it's, you know, all gamers, ship shortage, just staying there. Oh, no, guys, we're running out of chips. Shoots the, shoots the guy. It's like, I don't know, guys. I, we're still running out of chips. I don't know what's happened. It's, 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 it's <laughs> oh, yeah. Is that the one overlaid on, um like, Soviet guy executing his officers for giving him bad news? <laughs> sort of, yeah. I think, yeah. What's going to be? Do you reckon this whole event is going to be consequential to the Bitcoin market in as a whole, or you reckon it's just a blip? It's just like, eh, it's not affecting the Bitcoin market. I think it's not going to have a big impact on Bitcoin. It's more targeted at Ethereum. Maybe Ethereum will go down because people think you can't mine it as easily. But as we've discussed, you can still work around that with a bit of effort. Uh, But ultimately, what I would like to see from cryptocurrency is low power algorithms. Right now, the way to keep cryptocurrency secure is by dumping more and more power in. Um, So I said Bitcoin uses all of the power of Argentina. Flipping trolls. Yeah, okay, that's a a bit. Yeah, uh, so according to the um, BBC article, that's 121.36 terawatt hours per year. (laughs) (laughs) Wow, that's like my lifetime or two. Oh, God. Uh, I I think you would have trouble reaching that because (laughs) even a high-end computer runs, most high-end computers uh, seem to be built with, say, 800 to 900 watt uh, power budgets. So even running it absolutely pegged out uh, for, you know, all day, that's still only 24 kilowatt hours a day. And this is hundreds of, over 100 terawatt hours in a year. Where's all the power go? Oh, I've got no ideas. Yeah, I bet um, 
I bet Texas would have liked some of that power last week. It's not that not that this actually makes a you know I'm not dumb and thinking. Of course, Bitcoin can transfer power to Texas. Yeah, I get you saying that. It's it's yeah. the whole like to just principle that. Yeah, we couldn't just um, build those power plants to serve people. We're building them to serve Bitcoin, and Bitcoin has benefits and advantages. It you know you hear about people fleeing civil unrest who put their money into Bitcoin so they can carry it across the border. That's um, an example I've heard. I don't know how true that is. Uh, people fleeing Syria, stuff like that. I don't know if that's actually how it works. If it if it is, great. That's a, a great thing to happen. But I'd like to see more energy friendly algorithms. There are other ways to do... Um, so Bitcoin is what's known as a proof-of-work model. You do all of this uh, processing and get rewarded that way. One that I follow because it interests me particularly is Gitcoin, which... Uh, sorry, not Gitcoin. Gridcoin. Had a bit of a brain fart there. Mm -hmm. Gridcoin is what's called proof-of-stake, which uses much less power. But the way to generate Gridcoin does use power because it rewards you Gridcoin for taking part in Boink projects. And digressing a bit, but Boink is a distributed computing initiative. You might have heard of SETI at home. That's how that works. Basically, uh -huh. scientific projects get split into thousands of tiny little work units that get sent out to computers around the world. Computers solve the problem and send it back. And then scientists have data to work with. So to generate a, a grid coin, you get rewarded by doing scientific work on your computer. So that could be benefit humanity. Um, at the start of COVID, there was actually a project to run on Boink for basically identifying the genome of COVID and the way the proteins interact. So obviously, that's a, a use of computer power or human good. I don't think Bitcoin is a complete human good. I think Gridcoin is something that's more good, still not perfect. Oh, there's, so there's I want more efficient cryptocurrency. There, there is also Dogecoin, you know, with how Elon's coming in and... <laughs> yeah, I think Elon sees a way to make a buck. Yeah, probably. Like Dogecoin, for the most part, it's a bit of a... It, it, it's a meme, obviously, but like in terms of actually being a real game, it is a real cryptocurrency in terms of in this current year, this current time, this current month, in terms of what's pushing the market, Doge is not really. It's like, not, uh, it, it, it doesn't push anywhere unless e Elon puts a meme or something on Twitter. You know, Elon's already been investigated for using Twitter to manipulate his stock. So <laughs> it wouldn't surprise me if it turns out the reason he's putting it on so at the moment is to push the price up so he can manipulate the market. But by that logic, they should also that, that same company, that same organization that's investing Elon should also investigate Reddit with all the game stock um, stonks stuff. Yeah, that should be checked. The people pushing for GameStop. I actually mentioned this. I think I think we mentioned it in the episode a few weeks ago. That you know, what if the people behind pushing GameStop were people with money in it already. Well, certainly, yes, it's correct. Yeah. Does that count as, you know, does that count as market manipulation? Mm. Because Elon's been investigated for tweeting about uh, his companies and uh, manipulating the market. So does that count? I don't know. I'm not a 
economist. But with uh, okay, so with crypto and uh, Nvidia, so what's the future of Nvidia hold with this type of direct? Has it, are they tr- are they putting a strong grip on the Bitcoin market as a whole? Uh, no. Nvidia as its whole is um, not part of the crypto market. Uh, it's more like um, they make the tools. Nvidia don't give a damn who buys their GPUs for crypto mining because they're the ones making the shovels for the gold miners. It doesn't matter if the uh, gold miners make it rich. Nvidia's already made their money selling the shovel. Hmm. So that's how I view it. They, they're selling the shovel and they're th- trying to double dip by pretending they care about <laughs> gamers. It's like, here at NVIDIA, we care about gaming. Well, and then a few seconds later, but we also ca- but we but we don't give a damn about them at the same time. Yeah, and I'm actually pretty sour about uh, NVIDIA at the moment because every few years it seems like they do something that is anti-consumer there was the time they sold a four gigabyte card where only three and a half gigabytes of the ram were actually usable oh and they got class actioned for that um yeah so i think nvidia is pretty anti-consumer and anti-competitive and i think also only having nvidia and amd right because you know we might all turn to amd now and in a couple of years when AMD's on top, maybe AMD will screw us over. Hmm. So I think it's... um, And I think the other issue, uh, producing silicon is so hard and complicated, it takes years to get a new silicon. So I hope... um, I'd like to see that decentralized. Currently, there's a lot of fabs in China and Hong Kong. When when there's a... uh, As happened a few years ago, there was a flood in Taiwan. And the price of hard drives went through the roof because the hard drive factories flooded. So I think more companies producing more silicon around the world would be better for consumers than having these two main companies. How did the uh, chip shortage start in the first place? Uh, I'm not 100% sure how this one actually started. I think um, what I heard was... Uh, well, early last year, a lot of the factories shut down because of COVID. Um, so I wonder if that's affected it. The crazy part's going to be how are the other com- uh, countries in the world, like you said, Argentina is um, getting is affecting them. No, uh, I think you might have misunderstood that. Oh, the sorry. power used by Bitcoin is more than the power used by Argentina. Yeah. So if you moved all of the people out of Argentina and moved all of the Bitcoin data centers to Argentina it would use more power. <laughs> That's also going to be interesting how um, other countries might react to the whole, this whole, this saga, though. Yeah. Um, I know I've been reading that the US is considering bootstrapping some silicon production in the last few years because uh, they want to get away from production in, in Asia because you might have guessed the US and China don't get along the greatest. Wow, really? I never heard of this. Yeah, so um, I think um, there's an article here about uh, the shortage, and it does suggest that the factory shutting down due to COVID, and then the massive increase in demand for PC electronics, 
and laptops in the last year with everyone working from home. So yeah, I think um, I think there's a lot of factors, and I think the countries that can do it would like to have some in-house production so they can make their own chips, even if that's only for security purposes, um, to avoid the chance that China could put in spy hardware in, into your servers or routers or whatever. So they will have. So they will have better computers. Yeah, better computers that can tell you what the uh, U.S. government's doing. <laughs> <laughs> and maybe they could hack into NASA and see how how the uh, Mars program is going. Well, funnily enough, mentioning uh, NASA space programs, they're probably less. Um, oh, I wonder if they're less affected by this because a lot of the demand will be for modern. Um, silicon techs, and most factories are probably producing that modern uh, silicon. But space hardware tends to use older silicon for a couple of reasons. The oh, how's that? Um, well, it's already been heavily tested because you can't go and replace the CPU when you're on Mars, but also the radiation. So radiation can hit a CPU in just the right way that it will cause data corruption. And maybe your uh, device crashes, maybe the hard drive fails. It's a, a non-negligible issue. So, But older hardware using bigger, uh, bigger silicon nodes. So modern silicon uses much smaller sized bits built into it. So transistors, um, capacitors, all of that built into the modern silicon is a lot smaller than it was 20 years ago. So cosmic radiation is more likely to hit a densely packed grid of tiny transistors and cause an issue than it is to hit an older chip, which is bigger and more resilient to that. NASA DJ, is, uh, um, oh, yeah. that was helpful watching the uh, command center footage, but even watching the footage, knowing that the lander had landed successfully and it took a few days to email the file home obviously but that was so cool <laughs> i like and the it's reaction not only them though um there are a couple of others as well emirates uh, had a mars mission arrive the week before then china had a mission and then perseverance landed because uh they all launched at the same time since that was the most optimal way to get to um get to mars so, so we're seeing Space Race 2.0, or is it 3.0 now at this point? Um, no, it's a pretty cold space race. It's not like NASA versus Russia, which was would be very exciting. But yeah, there's um, a couple of missions that just happen to have gone there at the same time. It's less competition, more best. Uh, you know, it's not you're not having a competition with everybody who takes the same highway as you home. You're yeah, all going the same I... direction though. Yeah. So with the Perseverance mission, this is a what was what, what are they trying to find? Is it just more are they life on Mars kind of thing, or is it just yeah? Uh, so based on the data returned by Curiosity and a few other discoveries since then, Curiosity's been down there for seven years now. Um, but there's strong evidence of the possibility of there once being life on Mars. Nice piano bit here, you know. <laughs> but um, the so that's what Perseverance is looking for, and yeah. Perseverance is even equipped to collect samples and then have a second rocket go up in a couple of years to bring it back to us. <laughs> yeah, they caught their sealed in tubes and set aside to be retrieved by a fetch uh, a fetch rover, and the go 
it's coming back as early as 2031. Wait, 2031? What? Wait, it's a while, it... but yeah. I thought the trip, I thought it was seven months for the, just to get from Earth to Mars. How? Why is it taking twice as long for this one? Well, 2031, that's 10 years, so more than twice as long. But uh, unless you got the time wrong. They said it was uh, after a seven-month journey. Yeah, but when is uh, the retrieval going to happen? Uh, don't think they said the year, but no, no exact date. Yeah. What year did they say? 2031. Yeah, you said it takes seven months, so that's twice as long. 2031 is a lot more than twice as long. Ah, oh, all right. It's oh. because they haven't planned how they're going to do it yet. Uh, basically, they want to investigate with perseverance, work out what other things they can do, and then take take a new uh, lander up there, retrieve the perseverance samples, and then do whatever else they've found out. Now, like one of the um, directors saying, the Mars Sample Return Project is probably the most challenging thing we've ever attempted within NASA. Oh, yeah, I bet it is. <laughs> got to go to Mars, grab a rock, and bring it home. And, tr- and try and survive through space junk, meteorites, um, space dust, and re-entering Earth's orbit. Yeah, there's a lot that can go wrong. ISO could lead to the plotline of the movie Life. <laughs> have you seen that one? I've, I might not have seen that one, actually. What about you, Debbie? Nope. Okay, it's um a bit obscure, I guess, but it's got Jake Gyllenhaal in it. Um, it's a horror movie. Astronauts in the ISS pick up the a sample return mission from Mars, open it up, find alien life, and it starts killing them. Pretty... You know, by the numbers, um, alien encounter horror movie. <sighs> and uh, they said here the per- Perseverance's mission alone cost nearly $3 billion. Man, that's a lot of money. Yeah, but it pays off. You'd think how, but you um, it pays off to do scientific research. Even stuff like this that you'd think, you know, uh, what could you find out on Mars that you could well, I can't think of any examples off the top of my head, but you can learn from the rocket engineering, the low-power electronics, um, communications. Imagine each um, rock sample from Mars goes, okay, uh, this may not be... This This may prove there's no life on Mars, so are they going to still do it? You mean, will they kill the possible... Like, would they come out and say, there's no life on Mars? Yeah. Or would they lie about it? Uh, would, uh, uh, well, that's former. a silly conspiracy theory. That's like, did we land on the moon? Oh, yeah. <laughs> I don't think scientists would keep quiet. But what if, so. the ulti- what if ultimately they go like, you know what? I, I, I don't see it. Like, there's no life on Mars. Like, ultimately. You reckon they'll stop the mis- They'll stop doing these missions or? No, there's still yeah. stuff to learn. Um, I mean, the whole point is getting people on Mars, regardless of if it's human life or not. So... In that sense, they'll still keep at it. It's more just a curiosity, I guess, which gets <laughs> the name of the robots or the previous <laughs> one, this one. Yeah, it's curiosity. It's finding out what's there. It's learning how the universe came to be. And it also, eventually, maybe humans on Mars would be an incredible... Not the way Elon wants to do it, though. Elon Musk is, like, full-on <laughs> dystopian future. He's like... Yeah, we'll take you to Mars and you can pay it off by working there. (laughs) 
It's like the it's like the story of Red Faction. <laughs> yeah, like just sell yourself into slavery for you know ten years or whatever to work on a on Mars. But once you're there, what's the guarantee they'll let you go? I've seen enough dystopia to you know be worried about this. I can see um, Elon Musk being like uh, Mad Max Fury. He, he Elon Musk is Immortan Joe. Yeah, like... <laughs> oh my god, can the next Mad Max movie be set on Mars, please? <laughs> yes, yeah, so, so the Richard Branson will be um, a Max. Uh, oh my god, it's happening. <laughs> what's, what's wrong with me? No, that sounds genuinely incredible, and it wouldn't be too different to road because they're both desert settings. What's also going to be interesting with this, with what the Perseverance landing is, we have seen the evolution of the rovers. Yeah. Oh, I love that. There's a sticker attached to Perseverance. You know those evolution um, pictures that have, like, the apes and uh, then eventually humans? Yeah. It's like that, but it's got the little baby rovers, like Spirit and Opportunity, and, um, you know, all of the old ones. And then <laughs> leading up to Curiosity and Perseverance, and Perseverance even a as the little drone fl- uh, flying next to it. I mean, it's good. It's cool to see how technology has evolved from from back yeah. then. We could see like black and white images of Mars to like fully color and I think Full what color recent- images. Yeah. Um, HD video. <laughs> ne- next thing you know, we'll see like 4K quality and. <laughs> And I think I remember someone posted the sound of Mars as well. Oh, yeah, because uh, Perseverance has a microphone, doesn't it? I think so, yeah. I think I heard that somewhere. No, the the sound of Mars was actually uh, taken from the Curiosity rover. Okay. (laughs) And someone put a decal out of it (laughs) with the the, uh, Perseverance. Of the evolution progress thing for yep. that car, nice. <laughs> but where, so here's a. This may sound uh, like a very like a stupid question. Where do you think where 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 could we go next with this? Now that we've we've done all the uh, we've done these um like rover missions, like when can we actually see man on the Mars? Well, Elon Musk reckoned it was going to be like 2024. I'm not uh, particularly convinced. I think it's going to take a few more years to uh, pull that one off. But Elon's never been great at giving accurate uh, timeframes. Um, I'll, I'll put my money on maybe 2035. Yeah. Around 2035, we could see a man on... We could possibly see a man on the moon. Or a woman on, oh, on the moon. Yep. Well, okay, yeah, yeah. I mean, when you say a woman, uh, a man, then you're... Okay, oh, yeah. It's a bit of an English lesson. If you say a man, then you're specifically saying... A human male. If you say a man on the moon, then you are actually saying uh, humans. <laughs> like that famous uh, small step for a man, giant leap for mankind. Yeah. How about you, Debbie Boy? When do you reckon we'll see um, a human being on the moon? Mars. Mars. Right. What? Sorry. Oh my God. On the moon? Uh, I think in the 1960s, yo. <laughs> I reckon the hard prediction, but I think the 1960s. <laughs> Well, JFK did say by the end of the decade, and he was right. Yeah, you know, right. Well, that Those was damn our- commies. They won't get us this time. We'll get up <laughs> although, there. Although, mind you, like if it this wasn't, this is why for- we need communism. 
<laughs> so we can have a space race. <laughs> although, although, okay, mind you, though, if JFK didn't put that whole "ask not what you could do for your country, what what your country can do for you," if he did not say that, you got that, that, that like, very wrong. Uh, fair enough. But let's yeah. say if he didn't say that speech, man, that that would have this. I reckon that space race would have been longer. Oh, there'll be big issues in not having a space race. Then, well, having a longer, yeah. <laughs> It most likely have ended it ended the world. So yeah, the whole point of that was to cool down the the nuclear conflict going on. Just put the missiles, use the missiles for human research instead of uh, well, trying to blow each other up. So I, I think like the Saturn V was literally just um, the well, not the Saturn V itself. The predecessor was literally just the I think the Atlas missile. Yes, from uh, well, from nukes. And they're like, what if instead of putting a bomb that will kill everyone on this, we instead use it to send things to space? Let's throw a human on it. This sounds <laughs> fun. Yeah. Space race was basically just a way for the US and the Soviets to show off without killing each other. Tensions in a way. I mean, we, like, we, I mean, we're world. sort of, I mean, we're sort of getting it in a, in a way with um, how America and China have been saber rattling in the last few years. Not really. Is it that? The meddling of those two is nothing compared to the middle of the, the nuclear conflicts. Like, yeah, we don't have countries literally blowing up bombs in the middle of their deserts, ready to kill each other. Like, we're not there just yet, and I think we will never get there again. There are a lot of things in place now to stop that from happening. Um, yeah, I hope we never get to that point again. Yeah. Because as much as you might love the aesthetics of the 50s or the uh, space it's race, not being blown up by nuclear fire is definitely a pretty high uh, on the list of compromises mm. I'm willing to make. Mm. Yeah, yeah. So It's a nice and, and sensitive, isn't it? Yeah. So, Debbie Boy, uh, first human being on Mars, when do you reckon? I'm putting 2035. Uh, 2040. 2040? Right. Yes. Professor? Um, I'm going to go a little bit more optimistic than you guys. I'm going to go 2030. 2030? I think it's a long shot, but I think it could happen by 2030. I think it needs two more. De- it needs at least about two decades to develop. Like, we've got the rover on there, cool. But with how bureaucracy and stuff happens and really conflicts on the Earth, we've got to work out global warming. I think it's going to take a bit longer. True. And one of the big issues with uh, going to isn't so much going to Mars, it's getting there. Yes. It's pretty easy for humans to survive on Mars. It could even be easier than surviving on the moon because the gravity is more like Earth. The uh, But the issue is long-term space travel is, not great for your health. Mm. And until they figure that one out, Mars is a bit too far away. You can stay in orbit for that long, but even spending a little bit of time in space will mess up your bones and muscles, and you're going to have trouble adapting to gravity-affected life again. It takes... Um, that's re- part of the reason why when astronauts come back from the ISS, they basically just sit around for a, a couple of days doing some physio because they uh, their muscles atrophy and their bones lose density. And not to mention the sense of reality gets warped as well, doesn't it? Uh, yeah, there's um, videos and jokes about astronauts. They come back and they forget that they have to put things down. <laughs> 
there's yeah, uh, Chris Hadfield's made jokes about it, and there's a particular astronaut who has um, actually been doing an interview and held up a pen as a, a prop, then let go and looked away, looked back and be like, where's my pen? Because it's not <laughs> floating next to his head. It just reminded me of the uh, Big Bang Theory when Wallowitz was uh, talking to his wife uh, on Earth and Wallowitz is like, hey, darling, and this may sound weird, but uh, can you drop a pen for me, please? And it's like, why? Uh, just, just drop a pen. And she drops a pen and Wallowitz is like, oh, so good. <laughs> he wasn't coping with not having gravity. Yeah, he was not coping well. The other annoying, other interesting thing would be you're right about how humans can survive in Mars easily, but how they, how are they going to how easily are they going to survive in Mars without anyone terraforming that place? It depends how long they want to stay. And if you've just travelled for three or four months one way, you're probably going to want to stay a while. So I think, um, you know, if they do that, they're going to stay for it and then they'll need to have a hab, which I think is all something that can be created. I don't think terraforming is a realistic option at this current stage. We can't even terraform Earth to solve our problems here. Like if terraforming was that easy, we wouldn't be having global warming issues. Technically, we are terraforming the Earth, just not in a way that we want to. <laughs> But that's actually somewhat um, ironically, while we're here on Earth trying to solve all of our climate issues, uh, on Mars, we'd want to cause global warming. So why don't we just pop our CO2 over to Mars? Problem solved, boys. Okay. (laughs) Just load up rockets with tanks of CO2 and drop them off on Mars. (laughs) Fair enough, fair enough, fair enough. It'd be like shipping mass amounts of wood to Mars and burning it. Yeah, so the theory is um, there's CO2 ice on basically dry ice on Mars, if I'm remembering correctly. And the theory is that you would uh, use an orbital mirror or lasers or something like that to cook that off and make free CO2 into the atmosphere. Mm -hmm. Um, Anyway, so in the interest of time, we uh, we should move on to our next topic. Um, Debbie Boy, you've got a story about new Pokemon. Yes. Yes, I do. So, earlier today was, uh, what are we currently at? Day 27th. Uh, Pokemon Company released a new video for a new game, and it's, like, everyone's been waiting for the Sinnoh remakes, but it's technically not. But I said Sinnoh. It's sort of a spin-off. Um, it's called Pokemon Legends Arceus. Um, so it's in the Sinnoh region, just roughly 100 years ago, 200, 200 roughly, 100 years before events of the original game. So uh, it's a prequel to Diamond and Pearl? Yes. Um, I think that's an over. It's a prequel with no connections. Te- well, okay, it has a few, of course, Pokemon, but to the actual plot of that game, sort of. But So it's this time going to be fully open world. That's the promise. Um, there's not really much to see. Now, one of the biggest things for the trial people did point out was the poor frame rate. And I mean, it's a very early demonstration but it does seem very hacked together the trailer like a lot of points you can kind of see they're just recording the screen um so it does make you wonder sort of like okay game freak you're trying you're trying at least but you know it's obviously very early and as long as they polish it up be okay um it's just you know i think everyone expects so much from pokemon because it's it's such a huge thing like the, the fact that the games and even just a trailer is so poor, you know, it's sort of like, why? If that makes sense. 
But in terms of what it's actually shown, it looks very good. Uh, it definitely is improvement over the previous game. I uh, thought even then, personally, I think the, the, the art style looks like it's a, it's a late Wii game. That's my personal thought, so. Um, but it still looks pretty good, and uh, yeah, I'd like to see what, ha- what comes from it. What do you guys think about it? I mean, RPGs and Pokemon, RPG in, uh, for Pokemon, it's, it's, it's a standard bread and butter thing. Like, they've done it for years and years now. If yeah. I I mean, a new Pokemon. I mean, but this one is more of a prequel, and like I'm looking at the plot is set during the in the feudal age, which mm-hmm. is interesting. Like they're not. It's interesting how they're not doing the modern age. It's it's a feudal era. That's the other thing. Well, this is probably asking a bit much from Game Freak, but I'd be interested to see what the cultures like around Pokemon in the you know, in the feudal age. Well, based <laughs> off what they've said, there's going to be literally no towns. Most of us are going to be grassland, which is sort of worrying. Um, I, I, I'm hoping that's just translationary, they're just meaning that it's, you know, it's a very undeveloped world. Um, but I've got a kind of a, a, a feeling based on how the last slip-ups have been doing. It's going to be like, open world game. Okay, we'll just make a big grassy field <laughs> and plucks of Pokemon in. All right, guys, you happy now? It's open world. Yeah, people um, are not... Uh, hugely into the open world um, in Sword and Shield because it's really it's a tiny little tech demo of an area and it's not even that good. Mm. So it does make me sort of worried. Like, okay, at least they're bringing more studios on this time. It's more than one studio working on it. But who have they uh, recruited? I honestly can't remember. It was from a Reddit comment, so don't trust me on that source. Okay. Um, but uh, apparently seen, they're expanding out. Uh, so publishers-wise, it's a Pokemon company, Nintendo. The developer is Game Freak. Uh, I haven't seen anything else besides that. Apparently they're bringing on support for animations or something like that. I don't know. Well, I guess which we'll is make- good because um, they totally updated the models and animations phase, uh, like five years ago, and then suddenly, no, we can't do all of the animations, which are literally pulled straight from that. No one have had a problem if they reused animations, right? Yeah. But it's the fact that they said they couldn't, but they did. So it's like, why don't you just reuse the animations then? That was the whole point, right? Yeah, that struck me as a bit silly. I, I like how uh, it, even now it's based in the feudal era. I'm thinking, uh, like, imagine every po- start of a Pokemon battle when they had the whole tune and the animation. It'd be like all Kurosawa style. Like... One 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 looks at one looks at the other person or like a split screen. Another person looks at the same person. The split screen. I'm Pokeball. <laughs> It'd be like samurai style battles. You know, just go like, I told you. Would you not mean? complain if that was a thing? But yeah, I mean, it, it Hero looks Shadow Pokemon die twice. <laughs> Sorry, they faint. Because this uh, is child friendly. Your Pokemon fainted. Looks like I mean, it was literally dipped in lava. It's made out of water and it was dipped in lava. I don't think it's coming back from this. <laughs> so, from what from the gameplay I've seen, so at the start of the game, there, there are three starter Pokemon options, and they are Rowlet from Sun and Moon, Cyndaquil from Gold and Silver, and Oshawa from Black and Yellow. Black and Yellow was oh, not black a. And white. Oh, black and white. Sorry, <laughs> sorry. I've I've been thinking too much Sam Sparrow lately. So, but yeah, what do you reckon? Um, the, the three startup po- um Pokemon. Huh? 
So three. So I'm going to repeat it. So your your three starter Pokemon they are Rowlet from Sun and Moon, Cyndaquil from Gold and Silver, and Oshawa from Black and White. Not bad. Not bad. Yeah, interesting that they're uh, they seem to be going well. I suppose as a prequel to uh, I mean, I thought might, but usually I, they make new starters at least. Yeah, that confuses me because I thought it would have uh, given to the Sinnoh region. You would at least have one Sinnoh Pokemon as your starter. If that you know, so it's sort of like you know they do show Piplop and stuff inside the trailer. But you know, it's that sort of thing where it's like okay, that's a bit maybe there's more to come on that. I mean, it's yeah. a fine selection for sure, but I would have liked to just have a different type of water Pokemon from the Cinder region as your starter. Oh, so it does worry me a little that we're already talking starters. Like, will this really be a departure from the formula? Not that I would entirely complain about a Pokemon game that was properly uh, 3D open world, unlike what they tried mm. to do with uh, Sword and Shield. I mean, to be honest, I would have just liked to see a remake straight up. Um, I'm not sold anything. It'd still be interesting to see what happens, but... Aren't they still doing the remake as well? I don't believe so. I believe this is it. Okay, I thought they had announced a remake. Um, yeah, so I am curious to see how this differs oh, they have. from... I apologize. I've not dug that deep today. No, Pokemon Brilliant Diamond and Pearl. Oh, Diamond Pearl remake's coming in 2021. Oh, today? This Really? <laughs> oh, okay. I haven't dug this deep. Everyone's just been talking about this new... Weird game. <laughs> I was saying that too. I was saying like that's because yeah, that's... this is so overshadowed the remaster. <laughs> oh, okay, the remaster coming out, and it looks both standard. All right, I have yeah, my money it's already. It's a Pokemon remaster. It's basically going to be it with better graphics. It, it literally is. Man, it looks even more. Honestly, it looks even less effort than they did for the uh, Gen Three. But that's weird, but, though, how they do, they, um, they that Pokemon's now doing remakes now of all, all of a sudden. Doing they were doing remakes for decades, yo. Really? Yeah. Did a, they did do a remake. you remember Fire Red and Leaf Green? And that's in like 2004. Like, oh, uh, oh, wow. Wow, I feel old now. <laughs> then they did two remakes on the DS. They did another remake on the 3DS. They've done remakes for decades. Pokemon is literally release a brand new game, then we do a remake. That's how their formula has been for decades. Yeah, it's sort of their off um, off year thing. They release a Pokemon game one year, then like a Pokemon game every three years or whatever. But then in between, they release the uh, remake, which is it's- usually just a remaster um, running it in the new graphics engine with minor tweaks. That's the thing, though. This Sinnoh remake is not the Diamond Pearl one. It's not a res- just running on the new graphics engine. It's like, it's a full-on different art style and everything, which I guess is improvement. I don't know. Yeah, I wonder <laughs> if it will have any... Uh, my, my problem is... This is my problem with current Pokemon, is everything is, like, the least amount of effort possible. Not saying the people who are in it are putting less effort in. It's the fact that it's not... It's like, hey, you're the biggest franchise in history, and you're not, like, trying to make games of a level of AAA quality. I know that's fine when you're doing an actual handheld console, like a 3DS and stuff. You're on par with everything else being made there. But now you're on a legit platform going as other publishers. It, it doesn't It doesn't look right. <laughs> and I know graphics aren't everything, but it's Pokemon. It's, you know what I mean? You, you, it's not like you don't have money. You have all the money in the world. Perhaps Maybe it, that's uh, the problem. They know whatever they pump out will make money. And you will. Uh, and that's pretty much it, isn't it? Yeah, and want to bet that they'll want to bet most of the money would be like, oh, we're gonna make another movie. No, well, that's a different department, right? 
Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Fair enough with the different department, but the point. But the point is, it's just that they're, they're trying That's what other I'm saying. ways. It looks like Roblox. It does look like Roblox. Oh no! Is this? It's not actually an announcement. It's just some kids Pokemon mod for Roblox. Yeah, uh, <laughs> like um, <laughs> Minecraft has a couple of them. But it, it, it looks like Roblox. It does. That's so true. I mean, not not aesthetically, but graphically, yeah, it does look a bit. <laughs> That's a good comment. I like that comment. I guess we'll. I mean, it's fine. It'll do the job, I guess. Yeah, I'm not really into the um, current, well, last few generations of Pokemon. I'm waiting for something that really shakes up series. I I don't feel the need to play. You know, when I was younger, I probably would have. But um, this is the thing: Pokemon Snap looks flipping incredible, right? It has but, the the benefit of being a uh, rail shooter, though. Yes, yeah. but it's a. I believe it's a different studio. If I'm not correct, if I'm not mistaken, it's a uh, Hal Devel- Hal Laboratories, the developer, yeah. and yeah, exactly. So a different studio of less money is my it looks probably even far greater than the legit. Uh, yeah, game and stop hurting you know, me. <laughs> Pokemon Snap is an on rail shooter, which limits the. Um, well, yeah, it, there's a lot of. It limits the amount of graphical intensity everything's got to be run out, right? Because obviously no. you can hide a lot of stuff and developing's well, a lot easier. But it's, it, does there's work around that? Still, still, it's just you know, like even the models are going to look better. So um, you can work around being a rail shooter, though. Have you ever played? Uh, well, I'm assuming you've played Crash Bandicoot. Yes. The reason they got it to look so good on PlayStation and still perform at you know 30 FPS or whatever, and they yeah, I believe it. I know this one because they like dug back into the deep code and like kind of recoded it in a way that uh, PlayStation never intended or something. Yeah, there's a lot of interesting uh, programming there, but they mm-hmm. also use the on rails experience. Uh, Pokemon is functionally on rails. You all they need to do is what. Crash Bandicoot did, which is give you one fixed perspective of the route that I you're see, currently yeah. exploring. Mm-hmm. That's all Crash Bandicoot did. It's a fixed perspective, uh, carefully plot- plotted so that you don't um, you, you get good performance. That's all you need to do, and yeah. you're good. So why don't they do it? Then you can have nice 3D graphics, put lots of love and attention into it, but they don't. I'm sounding a bit bitter. Oh. <laughs> Man, you're as bitter as, as the time when June got re- delayed. <laughs> oh, no, but, that was uh, worse. I, I feel like, I don't know, Game Freak does what Game Freak wants, and they'll change their ways when sales drop, which will never happen. So, yeah. Wow. Oh, I, I, well, as, well I, that depends, though. I mean, as much as, uh, if the, as much as, um, as much as we can't do much, we can still vote with our wallets. Yeah, until yeah, Pokemon but, stops printing money, Game Freak won't feel any pressure to innovate. But they, but it won't. Like Pokemon, uh, uh, short and sealed broke sale records, right? Yeah, literally one of the biggest franchises on earth. It's not going to go. Away. It's like Star Wars. You can't kill it. It might be crap. The prequels at a time I thought were terrible. Which I mean, some still do. I I grew up with them, so I kind of like the flaws in them, as most people of my generation are. But the point being is even back then when those were terrible, Star Wars still went crazy. <laughs> even now, after the less than stellar Star- Skywalker saga ended, right? People still are buying shit. It's like, <laughs> you can't kill a franchise when it basically owns the world. Yeah. And Pokemon owns the world. <laughs> 
It's caught. It's got. It's got the. It's caught the world. <laughs> it has. Yeah. Good luck killing Pokemon. It's not gonna happen. Nah, it won't happen. I mean, and and it will take a big, big. Ch- it will take a big, big while to kill the franchise. But yeah. Well, anyways. Um, anyways, moving on. For the interest of time, we should uh, move on. Um, I've got a story about another. Uh, speaking of reboots, uh, Stephen King's uh, Five Starter is getting a reboot. What's Ooh. this one about? I haven't uh, followed Fire. I haven't read Firestarter. It's basically a ni- um, the sort of 1984 movie is about a couple of kids who are, who have um, abilities to start fires or something. I've I've never seen the movie. My, full, full discussion. I haven't ever seen the movie as well. So, but now there is a reboot coming out, and the director Keith Thomas has weighed in a lot of stuff uh, about the reboot that would be. Different from the 1984 movie. And uh, he says, it's something I've ca- I thought of a lot. And certainly when the project first came to me, I was very lucky in the script of Scott Teams, who wrote the upcoming Halloween Kills and was very, very good and very rich. The material itself isn't different, right? I mean, it's the same book that it, this film is drawing from. The uh, one earlier film did, but we're leaning into from the book is different. That's the angle when you do something. So for me, it's really leaning into more emotional aspects. It was leaning into parenthood and what's, what that looks like. And the, and how do you raise a child, especially a child with abilities like this? <laughs> I do know there's a series on Netflix I haven't actually watched yet, but my friend recommended it. Uh, Raising Dion, about okay. a, um, a kid who's going to be a superhero and being raised by his, I guess, normal family. Yeah. Um, so he's also added also the book's super rich. There's a lot of stuff that uh, that's in the book that isn't in the original film. There's stuff that uh, in there that we're using that we're going to. At the same time, I feel like just for me, in terms of the films I'm interested, I feel like there's a visceral quality to the story that I don't see in the 80s version. A rawness uh, that I think is there in the book that I certainly felt that I'm really interested in diving into. So I think he... Like that's not, that that sounds um like he's trying to do something um interesting in terms of I'm gonna put more emotion in a horror movie. Yeah, I'm trying to think of some examples like that sort of uh, emotional horror movies. Most of I them, mean, I think, rely on the sort of horror where um it's you know your friends and family getting hurt. Yeah, like like um when you have the mother and daughter or the mother and son like thriller horror movies i could like i was i could think of one um uh, uh, jane foster acted in that one it was called um the uh, i was i think it was the others or something like that i've got i gotta find that one but it was basically the whole emotion of yes i've lost this i've lost my son and uh jody foster could be um i lost my son and i'm trying to find my son kind of thing okay um hang on a second and uh so this one is Zach Efron's going to be starring in that movie as well. Oh, Zach Efron, the uh, well-known. <laughs> it's like Zach Efron, the high school student. <laughs> no. High school student, you know, High School Musical, fifteen years old now, so he's a bit old for that. It's like nobody knows, nobody knows. It's um, I have no idea what movie it's from, but the fellow kids meme. With uh, Steve Buscemi disguised as a high schooler. Oh yeah, <laughs> the gre- greetings, fellow teenagers. Yeah, but uh, here's a question for you: Like, do you, 
do you think th- what the director is trying to do is kind of like, he, from what I'm seeing is he's trying to not mess with the source material much, but at the same time trying to add a new flavor into it. I think yeah. it's a bit of that and a bit of, um, he sees a different theme to what he thinks other, uh, the other adaptation focused on. I think there's a lot of work that has the strength to have multiple themes, and it's, um, I think that's the angle he's going for. Yeah. Ah, uh, here we go. The the movie, by the way, I was talking about, it's called The Forgotten, and it's, it's Julianne Moore, so yeah, sorry, that, that was a weird movie. But, uh, for those curious, uh, he's made also another, he's, this director also made another movie called The Vigil, and The Vigil is, uh, Steeped in Jewish lore and demonology, the visual is a supernatural horror film set over the course of single evening in Brooklyn's Hasidic Borough Park neighborhood. Lohan finds that having recently left his insular religious community, Yaakov reluctantly accepts an offer from his former rabbi and confidant to take on the responsibility of an overnight shoma, fulfilling the Jewish practice of watching over the body of a deceased community member. Shortly after the recently departed uh, dilapidated house to sit the vigil, Yaakov begins to realize that something is very, very wrong. Yeah, yeah. Would you guys watch this movie though? Just curiously. Oh, well, I've actually been getting into Stephen King for the first time, so maybe. Yeah, I hope it. Like I've, some of Stephen recent Stephen King movies, like Doctor Sleep, for example, have been good to watch. So I, I, I wouldn't mind watching this one. See how Zac Efron reacts in a horror movie. Hopefully, he doesn't sing in the da- in, in the movie. <laughs> God, I hope I hope we don't see a High School Musical reference there too. We're all being killed together. <laughs> oh, no, no. <laughs> so on that note, um, Debbie boy, what Deadpool thing have you been doing this week, Debbie boy? I think we killed him with the whole High School Musical cringe. <laughs> yeah i think he stitched us yep <laughs> well, uh, okay Pro- professor what have you been doing the um what notable thing have you done i have been putting way too much time into sphere program so which program dyson sphere program oh yeah so the concept originally uh is of a basically a shell put around a, a star to capture all of the energy. So effectively, could be a shell of solar panels, um, could be some other energy gathering device. In this case, uh, it's actually a Chinese game, so the English translation is a little bit wonky. Um, But the basic concept is that the universe is... Well, not the universe, sorry. Your species has uploaded to the Matrix, and you have to uh, produce a Dyson Sphere to continue to power the matrix. Uh, so it's basically Factorio, but when you're done exploiting one planet's resources, you go and build an interstellar, uh, interplanetary logistics network and begin shipping in what you need from other planets. And then you build cannons that shoot, uh, shoot satellites into orbit around the sun to create a Dyson Swarm, which is basically a Dyson Sphere, but made of non-contiguous satellites rather than a contiguous shell. But then you uh, you run out of resources in that area and you need tons more because you need tons and tons of resources to build a Dyson Sphere. So you go interstellar. <laughs> At the moment, on the interplanetary stage. Ah, uh, so does that mean you get to pl- uh, have like a Christopher Nolan like 
um, in the stellar theme song there as well? Uh, no, there is some quite nice music, and it's very pretty while you travel between the uh, planets. I love uh, looking out from the planet where I have my main factory and seeing the planet I've set up for my um, to launch my satellites and just seeing this stream of satellites shooting off into orbit around the sun. It's gorgeous. I'm seeing the trailers for it. It looks like it reminds me of No Man's Sky in terms of traveling to space and harvesting stuff. That's about a billion different games, so... Ah, uh, okay. Yeah, and it has that, uh, too much weight there, but... Yeah, and it has a lot of, like, um, RTS um, strategies as well, well RTS um, models as well. Well, it's a factory-building game, so yeah. Yeah. Uh, Factorio is sort of the... Um, not the original example, definitely, but uh, one of the sort of most well-known examples, I think, in the current era. But uh, this goes 3D. So Factorio is only 2D. You can only have two layers of belts because uh, there's a kind of underground belt you can build. But you can only really have two layers. In this, you can have many, many layers. You can go up, you can go over, you can go around, you can create hideous spaghetti. (laughs) Seriously, my factory planet is a terrible mess. (laughs) uh, You've got to show me uh, how it look like... uh, does it um, okay? Does it make every OCD person just go nuts? Or oh, it would. <laughs> okay, I'm tempted to see this. But um, are there I'm any thinking flaws? I'm just going to ditch my home planet and <laughs> go and rebuild a factory somewhere else. <laughs> keep this one going to keep my production going, but then go and build a proper factory that's better planned. So what's the uh, biggest flaw you've encountered on this game? Uh, the English translation is terrible, so it's not always clear what you need to do to unlock new tech. Um, I think that's the biggest one. So will there be any expansions to this um, game? or is it It's just- still in um, early access. Okay. So give it a few, um, you know, give it a few months. Okay. I'm going to drop some screenshots in the uh, Discord chat here for you, (laughs) and we'll uh, find a way to upload them into the... It does... I forgot my favorite thing. It does eclipses. (laughs) Really? Yeah. What do you mean it does eclipses? You know what an eclipse is, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. How, how are you, how, how you going to move a moon or something? Or? Well, no, you actually, um, a you start on one of two planets orbiting a gas giant, randomly generated, but the first planet seems to be always a sort of Earth-like planet. Okay, can you see my pictures there, DJ? Oh, I can see. Oh, that looks very cool. Very nice. Yep. Um, Beautiful. So you can see the lovely eclipse. And this one is my uh, the state of my swarm last time I played. Nice. That looks beautiful. Sorry, listeners. This is a... Sorry, we're we getting to a... look this up. We'll upload the photo so you can see. And this is my spaghetti, but it's worse now. <laughs> we will upload this so you can see it. Oh, my God. What do you... What, what the hell is this? <laughs> That's my hydrogen facility. Oh my god, you are so messy. <laughs> it's worse now. <laughs> oh, oh so, Lord. you know, four and a half out of five, because I love that the planetary mechanics are really 
as various axial tilts, you can find planets that rotate horizontally and put your solar panels on one side and have them always be in the sun. <laughs> oh, that it's is... so cool. <laughs> oh. It is programmed in Unity, though, so I think the um, the devs are talking, I released a blog post just uh, today, actually, or yesterday, about um, how they decided on the size of the planet for to balance that with... Uh, playtime and processing power so it is made in unity though so i wouldn't be surprised if uh, i start seeing some optimization issues but that should be improved greatly during development okay okay cool uh debbie boy what nerdful thing have you been doing this week i've actually done something this week oh i have played well attempts to play a game called friday night funkin <laughs> friday wait, wait, friday night funkin Friday Night Funkin'. Uh, <laughs> it, it is a rhythm game designed to be a love letter to basically early 2000s uh, well, rhythm games. And it's just damn good. It's only been developed for about four months now. It was uh, majoring Lumen Day and it's kind of taken off virally. Um, it's just a solid game from Newgrounds. So it's it's a game from Newgrounds. So it's very heavily inspired and deep inside that whole culture. Um there's lots of references and stuff to Newgrounds content from over the years and stuff, but in terms of a damn solid rhythm game, it is, it is fantastic. That's right. Oh, sorry. Go on. For a second, there, I thought you when you said Friday Night Funk, I'm thinking, is this a Friday Night Fever, um, un, un, unofficial Friday Night uh, Friday Night Fever sequel I haven't heard of before? <laughs> that implies well, that there are Friday Night Fever sequels. Are there? Oh, I think there were. Okay. Hello. Um, this is the usual format. So gameplay-wise, it's basically um, Dance Dance Revolution. Uh, arrows appear at the bottom of the screen, they go up to the top, and you could click your arrow. You've got to hit the right arrow at the right direction the same correct time. Is there so, a plot? A plot so far, not really, but the plot at its moment is your boyfriend, your, your name is boyfriend, and you're trying to, well, date girlfriend. Um, and that is literally what developers said. People ask what the real names were, the developers say it's boyfriend and girlfriend. <laughs> just, 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 to, just to f the community a little bit, just because everyone's everyone's know the real names. But it's like it's boyfriend and girlfriend. That's the official names. <laughs> yeah, people are like that for some reason. Um, it, it, it's like Tenet, you know. But, um, what's your name? I'm the protagonist. <laughs> so pretty much how it works is uh, boyfriends date girlfriend, and the old parents don't want them to. So you've got to prove your rap skills to them who are ex. Rock stars. Um, that is all it is currently. Um, <laughs> what a plot. <laughs> well, well, then then monsters start to come in, and this guy appears. He's like this uh, skin monster wants to throw your girlfriend inside the blog and eat her alive. So it's a fun time. Things just happen. This is a Newgrounds game. I believe the developers are working on it. I mean, it's early days. We've been developed for four months. October was his last made. End of October. So they had November, December, and then two years of this year. Um, so they are working on a plot, apparently. There's in workings there, but like it, it's a long way off. It's just started its development. But what they've done is really cool. They've uh, released all their source code. So there's like a million mods you can play as well. Oh, yeah. That being said, um, Para- Parappa the Rapper uh, was modded as well in this game. Mm-hmm. That was just released a few days ago. And there's some like damn fine mods on the same level as the actual game's quality itself. Can you import your own music? Yep. In my music, or models, whatever you like. People have done full-on remakes of it already. Oh my god, there's even an album yeah. <laughs> on Spotify. <laughs> yeah, no, no, seriously, the album uh, is hitting chart-topping numbers as well. Like, the music of this game has already hit like a million, two million views 
on some playlists on YouTube. Like it is, and it's damn good music. I, I'm addicted to it as well. It's just solid. So it's, what it's, genre did you say the music was? It, it kind of does whatever it wants. So most of it's very heavy, beat heavy, because obviously it's a rhythm game, right? But they do some rapping. There's some like uh, poppy tracks. There's some scary Halloween tracks as well. Some Christmas songs. Uh, some dance music, like whatever the hell they feel like, uh, whatever fits the stage the best. All of it very well rhythmically, as I say. Like everything's very, you need to have that beat in order to make the game work, right? But yeah, but then yeah, basically you do the rhythm. You're basically versing a component all the time. So you're doing your rap battle, and then the other person's uh, and the NPC character is doing their path, and it's all about obviously fighting. Uh, you don't want to die, basically. You don't want to be terrible at doing the rhythm. So is mean, it like you and the NPC chick? Um, she just sits on a giant speaker the whole time in the center, just uh, encouraging you to do a good job, which is quite cute. Um, but basically, it's, it's you versus whoever the developers want you to verse, and basically you do a rap battle with the with the. So it's like perhaps the rapper, basically, you know, exactly the same sort of idea. Um, you know, art style is probably the biggest thing. Like the art style is so good. Like it's they did a lot of character designs, and everything looks just snappy. It's very Newgroundsy. It's very much a love letter to Flash. Um, yeah, I, I, there's not much to talk about right now because it's such early days. But I just wanted to mention it because it's such a good small game. It's from set free. You can play it on the browser. Um, but yeah, super. It's, it's just fantastic with the name. Um, how, how much would you? What's the biggest flaw you've encountered in this game, though? Flaw wise, I can't really say because I'm not good enough to play it. <laughs> I'm not that good at rhythm games, but I enjoy it a lot just for the fact of what it is. Um, floor wise, there is definitely work to be done, especially story. Like, they're in the workings, I'd like to see more of that. Uh, not that it's exactly necessary because it's a bit of a rhythm game, that's the whole point. Um, perhaps there's some, there's a few things in animation they probably can tweak up, make it a bit more clean. Um, I can't really, I can't really floor it too much because it's still early days, everything's in development, everything's being built, so you have to wait a bit, um, you know, until it's got more content to really start nailing stuff down, needs improvement. But for as of right now, it's, it's pretty darn solid. Uh, in terms of rating, I can't really rate it as well. I'll, I'll, I'll say I'll give it a 5 out of 5 as of this moment on what the current build is. But, like, that doesn't really stand because it's been updated all the time and it still needs, you know, it's still ongoing, as I say. Um, yeah, like, I, there's nothing wrong with it. it everything works flawlessly. <laughs> cool. I, cool. I highly recommend Professor you give it a go. Yeah, I might check it out. Uh, it's for, you can just play in the Flash browser. I just put a link in one of our chats. Like, okay. you like Flash, so... Might You'll just pull that up later then. Pun? I might just pull that up later when we're done yeah, recording. <laughs> but yeah, um, yeah. Next, uh, like That's next uh, next week's ep- next week, it will be just we'll see the professor just like start rapping. Help me, my lyrics. keys, but my fingers are falling apart. I'm doing. <laughs> <laughs> but I did just build a new uh, a new mechanical keyboard, and those switches are good for like a couple of million key presses. So, <laughs> oh man, but yeah. Um, that's my uh, that's my that's my take on it. Nice, nice. Um, I've just been continuing playing uh, Ghost of Tsushima. I've uh, I'm just taking the story in, and uh, yeah, like, I've finally got the uh, f- f- so the hero starts to wear the uh, family armor, and man, it just terrifies a lot of people. And uh, yeah, I, can't, I I don't really have nothing um, nothing else to write home about instead of besides the, how good the game is. So. Yeah, it, it's a story. Storyline's getting good. Nothing really special. So, yeah, uh, I'll, I'm still going to give this one a, f- a four out of five. So, yeah, nothing really special on my end. 
Uh, on that note, we will take a short break and we'll be back with our shout outs, remembrances, famous birthdays, and events of interest. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. So, on to our shoutouts. After 28 years, Daft Punk are taking off their helmets. Yes, they have shown their faces before, but this time it's different. And this might be their last time, considering their farewell film, Epilogue, is 15 years old. And for those curious, they're the guys that made the song one more time and made int- cool movies like Interstellar 5555. They also did the soundtrack for the Tron reboot. Oh, yeah. Good movie. Good movie. On the 21st of February, we passed the 30th anniversary of it's 35th, by the way. What did I write? 30th. <laughs> okay. I was tired. My fingers were sore. <laughs> so it's the 35th anniversary of Legend of Zelda, the Famicom Entertainment System. Unfortunately, Nintendo had been tight-lipped about any celebratory releases apart from the HD release of Skyward Sword. Skyward Sword is also the game that made Link ambidextrous when he began using his sword on his right hand to match the majority of people using motion controls. Hopefully we'll see more remakes or HD remasters soon. That was a pretty big announcement when they did that. Yeah, but it doesn't feel big because when Mario had its 35th, they had tons of stuff going on. Okay. Uh, the CSIRO announced this week that four new species of trapdoor spiders have been discovered in the caves of Nullarbor Plain. The Nullarbor the, Plain. Yep, the Nullarbor Plain. <laughs> the CSIRO cave biologists won't collect any live specimens because they're so rare identifying these species based on body parts. They have been named after Australians Craig Challen and Richard Harris and Thai Navy SEALs Beirut Pakbara and Saman Kunan. Kunan and Pakbara dived saving the Thai teenage soccer team who were trapped in a flooded cave in 2018. The new spiders are named, oh, forgive me if I pronounce this so badly, Troglo uh, de, forward to it. <laughs> Troglo de Plura, Beirut Pakbara Bai, Troglo de Pura, Saman Kuna, Kunani, uh, Troglo de Plura Chalani and Trogla di Plura Harisi. Wow, that's a, the names are such a tongue twister. Yeah, because they're Latin. Yep. Or at least based on Latin. Uh, on the 22nd of February, it was the 10th anniversary of the Christchurch earthquake. A magnitude 6.3 earthquake damaged 100,000 homes and significantly cultural buildings. Killed 185 significant people. Significant cultural buildings. Come on, DJ. Did I really make that many spelling mistakes? Yep, significant cultural buildings, yep. Wow. So did I mess that up or did you? I think you messed it up. Wow. I must have been out of it. <laughs> significantly Honestly, cultural buildings. I did this building. at like yep. way too late at night, so. <laughs> it's significantly cultural buildings. So, so yeah, it killed 185 people and injured thousands. <laughs> the insurance bill exceeded $31 billion. Immediately after the quake, Australian volunteers began to travel to New Zealand to assist with rescue efforts. 
that was a ter- that was tragic that day. Yeah. Uh, onto our remembrances on the first of February, uh, Bruce Blackburn, the designer of the NASA worm logo, passed away. His worm logo representing the letters of the acronym, replacing the older meatball logo representing an orbiting craft over the red swoosh, symbolizing a win and a starry blue circle representing space a and planet. Hmm? Oh, it says a win here, but okay. Okay, no, you are messing with me. I don't make that many spelling mistakes. I did said what have you done with my document? I didn't do anything to it. <laughs> <laughs> I have not done anything. You just put, I'll win. I'm like, I'll win, okay? No, I'll accept fault here. I probably didn't spell check it like I should because I was fired. <laughs> So the worm was a minimalistic logo with the red letters in the rounded font used from 1975 until it was reverted to the meatball after NASA saw a decline in successful missions, including the Challenger disaster. Last year, the worm was revived for the Demo 2 flight carrying astronauts on a SpaceX Falcon 9. Bruce also worked on Imagine imagery for IBM, Mobile, MoMA, and the 1976 American Revolution Bicentennial Star. Bruce died at 82 in Arvada, Colorado. It was Arvada. Sorry. Yeah, Arvada, Colorado. Sorry about that. That Uh, one was you, right? uh, That was mine. That was my fault. Arvada. Yep. Uh, On to our birthdays. On the 22nd of February, 1917, Renato... Dolbeco was born. He was the 1975 Nobel Prize winner in physiology or medicine for his works on oncoviruses, which are viruses that cause cancer. He shared this prize with his student Howard Terman and David Baltimore. Terman and Baltimore discovered reverse transcriptase independently, but but both relied on the methods taught by Dolbeco. Dolbeco was born in Catanzaro. And interestingly, he was also part of the Human Genome Project as well. Um, On to our events of interest. On February 22nd, 1881, Cleopatra's Needle, a 35,000-year-old Egyptian obelisk, was erected in Central Park, New York. The 21-meter-high red granite structure weighs 200 tons and is marked with hieroglyphs. After being built in Heliopolis in 1475 BC and being inscribed by Ramses II about 200 years later, it was moved to Alexandria and erected in the Caesareum, along with a sister needle which now stands in London. The needles were both gifted to the current locations by Muhammad al-Pasha, the Khedive of Egypt. Both needles have been buried have a buried time capsule, the American one holding an 1870 U.S. census, a Bible, a Webster's Dictionary, the complete work of William Shakespeare, uh, complete works, by the way, a guide of guide to Egypt, and a copy of U.S. Declaration of Independence. There is also a small box with unknown contents. Yeah, that was put in there by the guy who funded the, uh, well, helped um, fund the movement of the needle. So <laughs> I wonder what he thought was important enough to put in there. <laughs> well, uh, nuclear technology was not around that time, so it must be something even more deadlier. <sighs> it's just his bank account password. <laughs> yeah, this is a Futurama where like uh, Philip J. Fry's bank bank pin number still works after million billions of years. There was only a thousand in Futurama. I thought it was millions. Okay, on this. On the day in 1918, A Trip to Mars premiered in Denmark. The film was the beginning of space 
opera subgenre, but Denmark did not remake uh, did not make another sci-fi film until 1962. The plot involves a group of researchers traveling to Mars, where they find a vegetarian and pacifist civilization. Sounds like a great place to invade. <laughs> imagine, imagine just like coming in with like a club and just go, "I am taking over Mars." It's like that. It's like you can have it. It's like that was easy. But uh, that's all we have for this week. Um, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. That's not Canada.com. We have an archive of our old episodes. And you can find some new ones, such as Smaller Waste for 2021. This podcast is about uh, sharing with uh, is about uh, Julia Schaefer sharing with you some simple ways you could make changes in your daily lives to reduce your family's waste and leave a lighter footprint on the planet. That sounds uh, like a particularly good choice, considering um, what we were discussing just, uh, oh, almost like two hours ago about <laughs> e-waste. That's true, that's true. Sure. Uh, anyways, uh, that's all we have for today. Um, it's time for me to bugger off now. Yep, back in your box. <laughs> Look after yourself, stay hydrated, and we'll see you next. See ya. Craig, oh, Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.